Welcome to Unleash. We're all being transformed every day. The big question is by who to become what? In the last few years, there's a phrase that I've heard a number of times. It's even been included in the title of um, more than one book, but it's called, it's the, the phrase is the rule of life. And so a few years ago, Jordan Peterson came out with this really a well-received book called The 12 Rules for Life. And it was so well-received that he wrote a sequel, Another 12 Rules for Life. And what his, his whole premise was, hey, if you can build these certain habits and routines into your life, there's in a lot of ways the chaos of your life will settle down. And while that is true, those things are not going to address the deepest parts of the chaos in our lives. And so in a podcast recently and and in some other things that I've read, I came across this phrase again and I was kind of curious of the origin. So, you know, like everyone else did a Google search and I was really surprised that as I scrolled through the results, I had to go down, uh, I don't know, there were dozens of entries that I sifted through just noticing, okay, what organization is the one posting this information? And I was really surprised that all of the first couple of pages had some sort of religious um, connection. It was some sort of a religious organization. Um, So anyway, I I just want to dig into this idea because I think we all have a rule of life but it may not always be something that we have put together by intention and design. Our rule of life may be something that we hold by default. And as you're listening, you might be thinking, well, what's your rule of life? Is there something that you've chosen? And if not, maybe this is a good time to think about it. So I just want to explore a handful of things like real quick, like look at what is a rule of life and why would you have one? Um, what does it look like to to have one by default versus having one by intention? And what rule of life will actually deal with those deepest, most core parts of our true heart and soul? And so We're going to dig into that today. So it's interesting. This is actually a centuries long thing. There's a big history of people dating at least back to the fourth century that created a rule of life. It was something that was very intentionally chosen and it was uh, something that would direct like a, a way through which a paradigm that they would set up for their lives to say, this is the most important thing. And so how I order the rest of my life, what my priorities are, are all going to be directed by what I hold most important, most valuable. And so, and it has many studies have been done that would suggest that without a rule of life, which most people I don't think actually have one by by design and intention today, that we will have a tendency to feel scattered, hurried, reactive, and, and exhausted in our lives. And so what does that look like for us today in our culture, in your life where you live? How often do you feel scattered, 
hurried, reactive, and exhausting, exhausted. Right? We are creatures of habit. It has been demonstrated over and over. Neuroscientists, social scientists, there is this reality of our lives that we outsource many of the decisions that we make every day to habit and the habit exists in our subconscious. Only maybe 5%, 7% of what we choose in a day is actually intentional and not driven by habit. So we all have habits that are ingrained in our lives. And so what does it look like to have the defaults that we've carried from those silent places that direct our lives? What does it look like to move from having a rule of life by default that's not stated into one that is intentionally chosen? So clearly I'm arguing that every adult human has a rule of life, whether chosen or by default. And so let's look at some basic questions for you to consider for yourself about intentionally choosing uh, a rule of life for yourself. So one of the things, right, this gets back to the rule of life centers around a core of what is most important in your life. And so I want to say that you and I, I am a person of faith and so are you because we attach our faith to something in life all the time. Faith is not necessarily a religious thing. It's a human thing because we have things that we can't see and yet we still trust in them, right? We need faith to navigate everyday life. Like I'm riding in an elevator. I'm not going to step in unless I believe that all of the mechanisms and the supports that are holding that elevator and moving it safely up and safely down are actually going to do their job and safely support my weight. Right? There's all kinds of things at riding in an airplane, standing on a floor, driving my car. I am always trusting that when I step on the brakes that it's actually going to work and it's going to stop my car when I want it to. I'm driving down the road and I'm trusting that other drivers driving at, at um, perpendicular to me are actually going to notice and stop when their light is red and I'm, you know, driving through a green light at 45 miles an hour. I'm trusting that when I go to purchase something that my debit card is going to work, right? So for every human, we all have faith. So it's not a matter of whether we have faith or not. It's who or what you put your faith in. So all day long, I am living by faith. And so are you. Whether it is as a disciple of Jesus or your faith put in something else. So let's connect this to the rule of life. So what it is we have trust in kind of if we haven't been intentional it's just kind of a de facto thing where you don't choose it but however it is you go through life and whatever it is even if it's not articulated what you hold dear or what you trust in is going to shape how you live your life so I stumbled across kind of a provocative idea in a podcast for me, uh, I grew up um, 
attending a church and thinking of religion as the things I did when my family went to church or what we talked about that related to those things. But in this podcast, what this this person was saying, okay, think about religion uh, being best explained as a set of beliefs that explain what life is all about, who we are, and then how we should live. And by this definition, then it would follow that all people are religious. You can't not be if you follow that definition, that you have some sense of what you believe life is about, where you came from and why you're here and how you should live. And so who or what you follow could be the way of Jesus or Islam or success in business or social justice or the route of self-improvement. It could be a whole host of things, but there is something that you have either chosen by intention or by default. Listen to this quote by James K.A. Smith. The question isn't whether you're going to believe, but who. It's not merely about what to believe, but who to entrust yourself to. We all know that there's this loud symphony, not a beautiful sound, but a lot of voices telling us who we should trust in, what we should believe in. And many of them are telling them, we should trust in ourselves. You have all the answers within you. But do you really want to trust in yourself with the most important parts of your life? You want to trust in your wisdom and your desires? Do you want to trust people because of their education or their success or somehow they're famous or they've gained notoriety, are they the ones you should trust? I I mean, I think it's worth asking the question, do you really think that humanity is truly our best bet? Do you really think that you and I possess the answers to all our problems? Like this burgeoning self-help section of any bookstore might lead you to think that the answers for life are hidden in one of those volumes. And many of those volumes are telling them, you've got the answer inside of you. So is it really wise to think we possess the answers within ourselves when we can look at our own lives and say, wow, I actually generate many of the problems in my own life. Take a typical sitcom. If you break it down, it's all the ways that people misunderstand, miscommunicate, jump to conclusions, overreact, keep secrets, and then keep functioning as if those secrets are understood. There's all these crazy things that we do that create lots of problems in our lives. So if we transition to thinking about creating a rule of life with intention, It's helpful to think of the rule as a way to begin with the end in mind. What do you really want in your life? What is most vital? And then work backwards um, to, to prioritize commitments and decisions and allow that to help you navigate life. So it's, it's not a detailed to do list, but rather a a rule of life and what flows out of that creates opportunity actually to intentionally 
organize and invest your life in the manner that's most conducive to what you hold as most valuable. So it's, it's interesting that the rule of life has this really rich history with a, a Christian tradition and, and it, many people have gone before us and said, this possessing by intention a rule for life can be an antidote for the really lonely, fragmented lives that many of us are experiencing because we have a rule of life by default and not by intention. So at this point, you get to choose for your life and I choose for mine. What will be the rule of life and what will you hold as most important and most valuable? And so if you believe the answers are within you or within other people, then you choose your rule of life and you orchestrate that. But if you have looked at this as we were talking through this and the question I raised a few minutes ago do, do humans really hold that source of wisdom, the solution, the power, the wisdom, the capacity to actually direct our lives? And if you answer that question, no, then your, your choice is to look at who is God. I know lots of different people would put out different versions of God, and I'm going to share with you about my own discovery in my own point in life of asking these big questions. So a few episodes ago, I left you with kind of a cliffhanger about my own life. When I was in my late 20s, all the things that I had pursued that I thought were going to be so satisfying and I was going to be so happy. And when none of those things really worked out the way I had intended and I I just was at this place where I really despaired of life, right? Just those simple fantasies would just crop up about just being extinguished, not by choice, but just by accident on the freeway. And, and I have, there's a, she's still my friend today, but if this was many years ago, she was my coworker and she took one look at me that day when I show up, showed up to work and she's like, Whoa, you are not okay. What, what is going on? And so in a few minutes, I just poured out my heartache. And obviously, these were great matters. And she had no quick answers or simple solutions for me. But she uttered the most honest thing she could. And at that moment, she said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think what you really need is Jesus. Well, that shocked me almost as much as her. But that led me, and she walked with me for a season, on my own season of discovering about who Jesus is and what he says. And so what I would share with you is the invitation of Jesus is the one who says, come, please come. Where else can you find real fullness of life and hope? and everything you need, right? It's in putting our trust and our faith in him. We know we're fallen. We know we mess up. People hate to use the word sin, but it's all around us. It's the the brokenness and the wrong motives and the wrong things we do that we hold lots of shame about. 
but he's inviting us into a relationship by faith with himself where he invites all, everyone, everyone hearing this has been made in the image of God. He paid the penalty for every wrong thing you have ever done and he invites you to come. Please come. He said, like, if you're weary, come. Are you heavy laden? That you have burdens you don't know what to do with? He's saying, come. He offers a quid pro quo that is honorable and right. He's saying, you give me your broken down life and I will give you a new life in exchange. You put your faith and trust in me and I will be faithful to meet you in the midst of all of the things that you face in this life and in the one that's to come. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up going to church and experiencing religious activity. But for me, that felt empty because I can now see that was only the beginning. It's a starting place. That's not a destination or a place that we're supposed to dwell. The, the activities were never meant to be what rules our lives because then we can just be like the Pharisees. Yeah, look at all the stuff I do. Aren't I so great, right? But that's really not the, the destination because the destination is a, an intimate, personal, restored relationship with the living God through the gift of life that Jesus offers. And living a life of faith in Jesus is a process of, in an instant, we are saved. But during this life, it's this ongoing, very, um, well, well, not linear process of growing and transforming and being made new in lots of different ways so that this faith is a process of unlearning things we have trusted in and learning to trust in what really is true. It's the way that our um, faulty beliefs are rewired and our irrational fears as we look at the horizontal circumstances are replaced with a confident and a trust in a God that's sovereign over all things. And I know some of those things are big concepts and big words, but there are very practical ways that the the life of God is placed in one who believes that the word of God molds and transforms the one who believes the the spirit of God actually rewires our minds and our hearts according to what really is true and where life is this confusing chaos of so many things coming at us that easily send us into places of anxiety and worry and doubt and fear. And in that place, Jesus is inviting us to trust in him, to abide in him, to trust in his life lived for us and his death paying for us in his resurrection to demonstrate that he does have power over sin and death and everything that we face in this life, to have confidence that he demonstrated power over the storms. He multiplied 
bread, he, he literally has control over the breath of life and could bring people back from death to life. And in this life, he can bring us from that place of walking in the ways of deadness of sin into a new life in himself, right? He is capable of healing us where we are not. His teachings let us know that we don't possess the wisdom or the strength we need to navigate this life and enter into the next one. You see, faith is not a feeling and it's not a mere mental ascent. Faith actually shapes the landscape of our inner woman or our inner man. What we truly trust in shapes who we become. So perhaps one of the most helpful things that we can do is to be honest about what we put our faith in. For you and me to be honest about who we truly trust. Because that takes us back to our rule of life, right? Because it's centered around what we hold most valuable, most important, and then we structure our lives in a way that makes sense around what we hold most important. And so if, if that is something other than Jesus, you choose that. But if that's Jesus, then the starting point and, and the foundation for any rule of life is really to desire to know him to be with him, to love him. So as we wrap up today, I just want to encourage you to be intentional. Choose this day who you will serve. And that's the thought I want to leave you with. Until next time.